Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Grieving Alone in My Car show. Um, That's right, you heard it here. Uh, This show is going (laughs) to... We're going to be doing a special, a special feature, a special multi-week feature, um, grieving alone in my car. Um, there is, I can finally stand the sound of my own voice again, I think. Um, there is, um, so much to say, so much has happened. Um, I want to, my dad died. Um, my dad died four weeks ago. Um, and there is a lot to say about, I have so much to tell you about, um, the end, the end of his life and my experiences, um, with that. And also, um, and now the grief process, um, but rather than sort of explain it to you sequentially um, and, and explain how much there was a lot of beauty and a lot of grace, um, there was a lot of beauty and there was a lot of grace. Um, and I'll, I'll talk all about that, the Shiva, the funeral, um, my visits with him, um, all of that. Um, but rather than, um, go sequentially, I think I should start where I am right now because, um, what I found myself doing is, um, you know, because there was all that beauty and grace and there is still some beauty and grace, um, I found myself sort of now that I'm into the more difficult feelings, um, I have found myself feeling like, what's wrong with me? There's, but you know, first of all, it's like, how, how can I make this death all about me? But, um, what's wrong with me? You know, it's been, it's been in 800 feet, oh, merge shit. onto I five North. Hold on. Sorry. Siri is, um, Siri was just talking to me. Okay. I'm going the right way. Um, she might talk, she might talk throughout this and just, that's fine. Um, I'm going, I'm driving, Um, I'm going to go see my sister. Um, but, uh, so anyway, so continue on I five North for one and a half miles. Christ. Um, okay. So wait, let me just actually, okay. Oh, once I'm on five, I hold on. Sorry. I shouldn't be, I shouldn't look at my thing while I'm driving. Cause that was, I mean, no one should, but that's also, um, you know, my father did die in a car accident. So, well, due to ramifications from a car accident. So, all right, I think we're good. I mean, okay, I'm going to take the five and then I'm going to take it to the 14 North, baby. All right, I can turn that off. So, um, anyway, I've been sort of like, I've had a really hard time kind of accepting where I am. Um, Basically, I feel as though, you know, throughout the entire time that my dad was, um, in the hospital, there was in the ICU, which was, uh, and the acute care, which is about, I think it was like almost six months. Yeah. It was about six months. Um, because he, he went in December 11th and he died, uh, May 30th. Um, so because that, because like throughout that time, the things I was feeling so much anxiety about his condition and grief and sat like, you know, and sadness. So like both, like it was like, you know, I was feeling like grief and sadness and anxiety when he died, the anxiety was lifted. And all I was left with was the pure sadness, but because the anxiety was lifted and because like um, you know, there was no longer sort of this myopic view of him. Like, you know, in the last six months, like he, his entire life to me became these, this daily and, and he fluctuated so much. I mean, he died multiple times 
you know, he was resuscitated during the times he was in the ICU. So like, you know, and I was told he was going to die like a lot. Um, when I got vaccinated, I was actually then able to fly home and see him every like, um, three weeks. So I had a lot of visits with him and they were all very different. And I'm going to talk to you about them because, um, I don't know. I mean, I really don't have anything else to talk about right now. Or like, I don't, I I don't find it necessary. Maybe other things will come in, but I'm, you know, so get ready. So if you, you know, so this is, this is like the special, it's like the mini series, like, um, it's the grief mini series. Wait, I'm diverging. I'm going to go back to what I was talking about, but also I should say, have you ever seen, um, the Schmengi brothers? It's from SCTV. Oh, wait, hold on. Fuck. I just got on the truck route. Hold on. Okay. Have you ever seen the, the Schmengi brothers on SCTV? SCTV is like that Canadian Saturday Night Live. The Schmengi brothers, I just discovered them the other day. They're fucking amazing. Um, they're like polka mu- musicians played by John Candy and um, Eugene Levy. So like they were like a sketch from there, but then they did like a one hour special that was like the Schmengi, which I fucking highly recommend. And you know, I don't like anything. I, I mean, whatever, it might not be for everyone, but like, honey, it's for me, the fucking Schmengis. Well, anyway, so this is sort of like the Schmengi special. This is sort of like the Schmengi special. It's going to be like a multi-part a multi-tier, like, you know, those like murder, like I love, I love a murder. I don't, I don't listen to any other podcasts, but I know there's one called like, I love, I love murder or whatever, you know, like they'll do, or like doctor, doctor death or whatever. Like they'll do like, you know, it's like a seven part. This is like a seven. Well, I don't know how many parts it's going to be, but it's going to be like a multi, multi multi-tiered, multi-layered grief spectacular. It's the grief spectacular. It's the Grief Spectacular um, special within Eating Alone in My Car. And then we'll go back to, I, I assume, I assume we will return to like regularly scheduled. And maybe sometimes I'll be eating and grieving. Maybe sometimes I won't be eating and grieving. Unclear. Um, you know, right now I don't have any food like well, it's actually in my duffel. Um, I have protein bars in my duffel, um, and I have beef jerky in my duffel. Um, but it's in the back seat. So, and I just had breakfast. I just had before I hit hit before I hit the trail, as my father would always say. Um, he has a lot of dad. There's a lot of dadisms. Um, but so in my duffel, but before, before I hit the, by the way, this is going to be, you thought this shit, you thought this shit was disorganized before, honey, I have grief brain. Okay. This is going to be, this is going to be a big mess and I'm going to try to allow it to be a big mess. And I'll explain why to you. Um, you're going to find out, you're going to find out not only that this is a big mess, but also why it's a big mess. If you just stick around for this episode of the Greeks of grieving alone in my car of the grief spectacular. So, um, anywho, um, yeah, maybe I'll call this announce. Like I'm either going to call this grieving alone in my car one, this episode grieving alone in my car one or announcing the grief spectacular. Um, so what I have for breakfast, I'll just tell you what I just ate for breakfast. I had, I had the same shit I always eat. I had special K red berries in a bowl with, um, Faye, I think is how you pronounce it. Zero percent on top with, um, a bunch of cancer chemicals on top of that. Hold on. Let me just make sure I am going the right way. Five North. Okay. I want 14 North to Palmdale Lancaster. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. So, um, yeah, so that's what I had. I had, it was like a bunch of splint. It was excellent. Cause I got to make it, I got to make everything extra sweet, you know? I still don't trust that life's going to provide me with enough sweetness. So, um, you know, whatever, that's what I do on Passover. Jews eat the bitter herbs to signify like the bitter tears cried when we were slaves of Pharaoh or whatever. I eat the fake sweetness to symbolize that I don't trust that the universe will bring me enough sweetness without, um, doing something that's going to kill me. Okay. So Um, the reason why I'm going backwards though, the reason why I'm going to go backwards and the reason why I'm going to start where I am right now is 
Um, you know, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing with grief, right? This is like new. I mean, I've, I've had like deaths before, you know, and they, I've certainly had death anxiety before. Um, you know, all four of my grandparents to whom I was, um, very close to, particularly grandma Meve, shout out grandma Meve, you know, I have mourned them, but I have not lost, um, my dad was like, he was like my number fucking one. You know what I'm saying in my heart. And I've talked a little bit about how I was mourning kind of the transition of our relationship, you know, because he, it was much easier for him when I was a kid. He was also, his depression wasn't really locked in, you know, when I was a kid. Um, and it got more locked in, uh, when I was in my early twenties and also I was then an adult, you know, ish. I mean, I wasn't really acting like one, but I, I was, you know, 23 at 23 is, I, I feel like the peak and I, you know, and I've explained, I've talked here before about how I thought, I thought I had done something wrong. You know, I thought I had done something wrong. Um, I was dating a woman, thought maybe that was what it was, um, that he was upset about that. Um, I mean, my parents were not thrilled. Um, I had dated women before, but this was the first time I like told them, you know, they were like, not like, like they did, they reacted very badly. You can read milk fed. Um, but, um, and it was surprising too. Cause my mom was like, my mom's like a big, as I've said before, like my mom's like a big, like centrist Democrat. You know what I'm saying? Like she's very like Clinton years. Don't stop thinking about tomorrow. Like, like her best friends are like Don Lemon and Anderson Cooper. You know what I'm saying? Like, like she, like it, it's like, you know, like it, there shouldn't have been, but whatever, I guess when it's personal, I don't really know. I don't know. But anyway, so I thought it was because of that it wasn't because of that. It took me a long time to discover like, Oh, actually I didn't do anything wrong to, to, to cause this, this change in my father towards me. Like it really doesn't, it's not about, it's not about me dating a woman. It, you know, it's not me. It's not about me. Right. Then it took me even longer, even longer to like years and years more to kind of come to the understanding that like, well, not full understanding. Cause I still would try, but feeling like I should be grandfathered in, you know, like, okay, I didn't cause the depression, but if I can just be enough, this, this, that, or this, then what I can be grandfathered in. I can be superhuman and penetrate depression when in reality, um, you know, well, I'll get to what I've learned in all of this, but so you know, I never a hundred percent stopped trying to like win him. And really it was more about where my dad was in his depression. It had much less to do with what I did. Like I, I've kind of come to see that my father, like, he, like his love for me was unwavering. Like there was very little that I could do or not do that would change that. You know, there was really nothing. I don't think, you know, there was really nothing I could do to change that. However, his ability to like see outside of, outside of the dark hole, I'll call it for lack of a better, whatever that, you know, his ability to that depended, his ability to see me and connect that depended on just where he was, you know, like nobody can cure Nobody can like, no per, no human power can fix us. That that is not. There's no fixing. I mean, there's no fixing. You know, it's all fluctuations anyway. But you know, would would it have? Would do I think he could have benefited from therapy and um, antidepressants in his life? I mean, yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. Like, but but you know, he's a man of his time and whatever, whatever, whatever. So and you know, and also look, it's every human beings, it's every human beings, right? I mean, this is a man who had, was diabetic and at one point he's six feet tall. And at one point had gotten down to like 130 pounds. Um, and we thought he had cancer and was going to die. This was like 12 years ago. And we were like, what the fuck? Well, we found out 
he didn't tell us, but we found out that he had stopped, just totally stopped taking his insulin, stopped taking his diabetes meds. So, if, and then went back on them. But it was like, you know, it took a while to, to for his system to readjust. So it's like, if, if the man's not going to take, if the man isn't going to take, uh, be compliant with insulin, how's he going to be compliant with antidepressants, you know? So, um, I think there was, there was a period in his life though, I think where he, where he was kind of, where he did a little bit of therapy and I think he was on some sort of maybe anti-anxiety medication, but it was very short-lived, very, very, very short-lived. So nonetheless, um, what I kind of, the learning, the learning, like for me, the learning process of this throughout my father's illness was like, okay, well now I had two hurdles, right? Not only depression, but also physical, like the physical health. And again, I went through the same learning curve. Like it was when he was unconscious, when my dad was unconscious, I sort of told myself this narrative that, you know, if, if my father awakens, you know, if he comes out of it, which he did, you know, he was unconscious and conscious like many times throughout, but, but the first period of, of heavy sedation when he was first on a ventilator before they gave him a tracheotomy tube. Um, so when the ventilator was like down his nose and throat, um, you know, and he was sedated after his surgery and they couldn't take him off the sedation yet because they couldn't get him off the ventilator. So he was like unconscious for weeks. I sort of told myself this narrative that because my sister and I would call him every day, and we would talk to him. We're like, do you think he could hear? We don't know, you know. And, and remember, it was COVID, so I couldn't go see him at that point. Um, so we were like FaceTiming and like calling, just talking to him on speaker, being like, you know. Um, but it, you know, I thought if if my father comes out of this, I'm gonna like I had this fantasy. Well, I'm gonna get the I'm gonna get like the relationship from my childhood back, you know, and and um, I'm gonna defeat illness, right? Like I'm going to, or I'm going to penetrate it rather, you know, I'm going to penetrate it. And so when he did come to consciousness the first time and he was like, wouldn't make eye, wouldn't make eye contact with me or couldn't cause he was so sick. Um, and would only let me hold his hand for a second and then like moved it away. You know, my sister thought that, um, my sister thought that, uh, you know, he didn't know who we were. I was like, he's mad at me. You know, once again, I took it like so personally. And then there was the learning curve over time of realizing, okay, he, he's not mad at me. Like I didn't cause his illness, you know, or I didn't cause the act. You know what I'm saying? Like he's not, this is symptoms of something going on with him, you know, something going on with him physically. But I still thought, oh, well, I should be able to be bigger. You know, I should be able to defeat. Hold on, let me just make sure that I'm, like, on the right. Continue on California okay. 14, north for 66 miles. Okay, good. We're good. All right. Um, so, okay, great. So, um, yeah, so I kind of thought that, yeah, so I sort of thought, like, why, you know, same same learning curve as with, with the depression, right? Like, first I feel like, oh, this is, like, he is being this way to me because he's mad at me or because of me or I did something. And then, okay, I get that it's, like, you know, the man is, like, in the fucking ICU. Like, this is not about me, but I should be able to, like, get past, Like, I should somehow. I'm going to save him. I'm going to save him. I'm going to bring the joy. You know, I'm going to be the fucking whatever be the love and the light. And guess what? Love doesn't heal everything. Love can heal everything. How can it? Otherwise we'd all live forever. Um, so yeah. So, um, so because of sort of, you know, the, the anxiety and like the, the, the incessant, like, you know, like just every day, we got to talk to dad. I mean, I told you all about this, um, on, I guess like the last couple episodes of just like, you know, that it became almost like a second job, especially during COVID because you have to like organize with the nurses and, you know, it's like, it, and then like you wait for them to call you back. So it's just like, you can't be doing anything and it could take anywhere from like, 
you know, 20 minutes to two hours for them to call you back. So you just have to kind of like wait there. And also my sister and I had to coordinate. It was like a whole thing. So, um, so when he, when he died, the anxiety, all that, all that anxiety was, was not there anymore. And what was left was just the sadness. What was also left was the celebration of his life. And it was a celebration of his whole life. And I remembered things, not just like certain childhood memories that I had preserved and certain narratives, right? But um, I remembered, like I'm reading Yukio Mishima's Confessions of a Mask, which is fucking so good. It's so good. Um, Recommend if you're like, uh, like a genuine, if you're like a genuine, like, perv who like <laughs> recommend if you're like a genuine perv but not like an affected perv like a genuine like if you like can trace your fucking like weird sexual fantasies back to like looking at a book when you were like if you were if you like to read about like the the early inception of your um if you want to read about like the early inception of someone's I don't know he's just very creative he I really just identify with him a lot just he like when he's young he like love like <laughs> he like loves like like he loves like he's very turned on by like boys getting killed like like princes getting killed so he's like read he's like reading fairy tales and like the prince gets killed but then like with by a dragon you know and he's like oh it's so fucking hot and but then like the prince gets resurrected so he's like covering up the part where the prince gets resurrected with his hand it's so great but anyway so um but he talks about childhood as like you know there's these like stock stock memories or like these stuffed they're almost like stuffed animals right like the 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 it's like it becomes a story it becomes a story and so I had forgotten like a lot of sort of like the parts of when I was like 13 14 15 16 because I was kind of had focused on like the childhood parts and I'd forgotten like how wonderful he was then too and like how much there was it was just really amazing to to be able to celebrate his life um because like I said it had been so myopic the past six months with like you know every day was just about like what number he was on on the ventilator and like you know was he off the kidney dialysis that they had had to put him on shit I just accidentally went in the carpool lane um so you know there was that myopia whatever drunk closed like you know there was that microscopic like view but then even so the past like 15 years for me have been about like like you know his the way like the way that my trying to like get back to where we had been you know and and overturn the depression and my sadness about you know his sadness it wasn't even like sadness you know what it is depression it ain't just sadness but um depression it's not just for sad people but um you know so to be able to like zoom out and look at and celebrate his whole life there was like just a lot of beauty and also there was um my sister and I have felt incredibly connected in various ways which I'll talk about in future episodes um we felt like incredibly connected to his soul and like in woo-woo ways and just in archetypal ways and in all kinds of ways. So, so it was like a really sad fucking time and it was a really beautiful time. Um, and I stayed in Philadelphia for two weeks. I had happened to be there the day before he died I had come in a week earlier than I planned and we had this beautiful visit as I said I'll talk to you about that but um you know and then and then he died and then you know Jews bury I mean we bury before the person is even dead you know we're we're like I mean literally like my mom and I like like we get the call that he had died and like we're like three hours later like you know, we, we go see him and then, and then three hours later, we're like at the funeral. He died on a Sunday. The funeral was Tuesday. I mean, it's like, you know, and, um, 
and I wrote the eulogy, which I was, like, so fucking proud of, that's, like, that was my hardest deadline ever, because it's, like, squeezing 41 hours, 41 years of love, what, that's how old I am, 41 years of love, whatever, it doesn't matter, I don't even give a shit anymore, I'm old, it's fine, 41 years of love into, like, try, into a two-day deadline, into, like, a 10-minute speech, like, are you fucking kidding, also, like, narrative threads, like, I had to represent my sister and my mom, so it was, like, a lot, it was, like, a lot of, like, work and also a little magic, so, um, but, you know, so there was, like, a lot of beauty, and then in the days following, of course, like, you know, you're telling stories and just, and then I got back to LA, um, and my sister and I were still doing this whole, like, we just felt very connected, and it was sort of, like, I was still very, very sad, like, there was still a lot of sadness, but, it was like, also, I was really focusing on the beauty, the beauty, the beauty, the beauty, the grace, the beauty, the grace. And then I sort of thought, okay, like I'm in a pretty, I'm in a pretty okay place. It had been about like three weeks. And then around three and a half weeks, um, I started feeling this like dizziness, like just like, and it was like all my anxiety. I, I don't know. It was just whatever. And I went out for a run because my voting injury is, well, my voting injury healed. Now it's actually acting up again. So I'm not running again, but I was running, um, last week or like, I guess by the time you hear this, it'll be like, it was like a week and a half ago. And I was going to see a friend of mine who's an older friend. She's very like, um, she's like, I was kind of expecting that she'd be a bosom a little bit. I was like looking for a bosom. Cause like my mom ain't no bosom we'll also talk about that. Um, my mom ain't no bosom and which is fine. You know, I mean, it's like not, it's like my primal wound and whatever, but like, you know, at some point in your life, shit has to be fine. And you like, you know, whatever it is, what it is. Cause nobody's changing. So, um, except maybe me. So, um, so like I, uh, sorry, this is so fucking disjointed. So, but whatever I warned you. I warned you that it's going to be a mess. And here's why. So I went to dinner with this friend and I had just been running and I had had a moment where I was like crying and I hadn't cried in like many days. It had been like a, like a lot of days. It had been like six days of no crying, which is like a lot when you're grieving. And, um, but I like kind of stopped crying because like I had to go eat dinner with her. And, um, when I saw her, I was like, Hey, so, um, sorry, my face is all like smeary, you know, my dad died and, um, well, he, she knew my dad died, but I was like, I, I just had like a moment when I was running. She's like, Oh, that's right. Your dad died. And then she just like moved right on and like changed the subject. It was very strange. And like, I cannot talk about other shit right now, but because I had just been having a moment And also because, like, I kind of need to, like, lead with that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not seeing many people, but I thought this person would be a bosom. And, like, at least, I mean, I've had, like, people I work, like, do work stuff with that have been more, like, have asked, like, more questions or, like, let me talk about it for longer than, like, uh, a five-second thing. Like, it was really weird. It was really weird. Like, I just, she was like, oh, you're dead. And then immediately, like, launches into her like, oh, that's right, I, you know, your dad died, I'm, oh, I'm so sorry, and then, like, launches, launches, and so rather than, for me, rather than think, oh, this is a little strange, like, that's a, that's a little odd, like, okay, maybe she has, like, a thing where she, like, can't talk about death, you know, or whatever, I don't know, like, instead of that, um, I looked at my, I turned on myself, I was like, what's wrong with you? Why are you, you know, you were doing okay. You're going in reverse. What's with this dizzy feeling? Which by the way, like a symptom of grief is like blurred vision. And it's all, it's all like sensitization, you know, it's all like the sympathetic nervous system, you know, in a way it's, 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 it has some similar symptoms to anxiety. I mean, definitely depression, but you know, it's like the sympathetic nervous system is activated. Like your vision gets blurry because your pupils open to let in more light. That is why your, your vision gets blurry during panic attacks. But like, you know, whatever, when it's, 
and and like the dizziness I mean that's the sympathetic nervous you know it's like I am very sensitized I am in distress sympathetic nervous system is on you know um but because I was like I I did this thing to myself that was just like what's wrong with me you know, like, oh my God, I'm boring now. I'm going to become one of those people who only talks about her father. This is all going in my head as we're sitting there eating. Um, and usually when I'm having like, and so it turned into a panic attack. And usually when I'm having a panic attack, it's hard for me to eat. But I actually, the food, because I just love the place we were eating. It's this really just like chill place. Um, it's my favorite. Shout out Crimson. Crimson Santa Monica. There's two locations. I fucking love it the salmon and they give you lots of sriracha and it's just, I don't know. There's something I, I eat it a lot. Crimson shout out. Um, but so, um, so like I was just like, okay, just focus on the salmon. But then, so then I would like, she would ask me stuff about me, but it was all about like career. And I just kept bringing it back to my dad. Like I could, there's I, cause I'm, I'm like, I'm kind of like, I can talk about other stuff a little bit, but like, this is my main event. Like this is the big cheese right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is where I am. This is where it's all, this is where it is. This is what's up. And I had, I mean, it was like full physical anxiety. Just like, and I was like, I just need to get out of here. Like, I just need to get out. So eventually I just stopped and I just listened to her talk about her life because I could just dissociate. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just kind of like shut off. And also would ask, and I was even asking like leading questions like, oh, really? Tell me more about that. But I was like, okay, I just need the clock to move so I can get out of here. But then I was also like, oh my God, what if like when I try to stand up, I have like vertigo and I pass out because I had like a vertigo thing um, at the end of when my dad was sick on one of my like last visits. I was at home. Um, see, I'm like getting it right now. I was like, scared. I was even scared to drive today, but I haven't had a vertigo incident since then whatever. It's like fine. But I just, I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to like pass out. I don't, I don't know what I was so afraid of. I was just afraid. I was afraid. My shit was activated. Like my, my shit was on dude. It was like fight flight, fight flight. Or as my therapist says, fight. Oh yeah. I started therapy again. Fucking so good. I found this great, great woman. Um, but fight, flight, feet, fight, flight, freeze, appease appease is like a new one. And I appeased, dude. I just appeased. I was like, it's easier to appease. I just appeased. And I like turned it against myself. I turned it against myself. And the past week I have been taking my temperature every day. Like what's wrong with me? I said, I'm going to be stuck in this forever. I'm going to be in a depression forever. What are the other things? I'm not okay. Something is physically very wrong with me. Um, I'm not going to be able to support myself. I can't focus when I look at a computer screen. Um, You know, I'm going to be like frozen in this, like paralyzed by this. Um, I should be further along. I'm going the wrong direction. I'm not going to be okay. I mean, truly, the number I've been doing on myself is bonkers. I have like three and a, everything was okay until around three and a half weeks. And you know what? It's like pain and sadness that I can handle, but the suffering it's, it's my own narrative and my own judgment that like causes the fucking suffering and the terror. The terror is in the narrative and then the feelings that the narrative creates right? It's not in the initial feelings. I mean, you know, like the morning is not pleasant, you know, but it's, it's the fear. It's the terror of the morning that just creates the more terror. It's, it's the narrative around the morning. It's like the judgment. And I don't know. And I, and and I was like, I don't know what, you know, I just don't know what to do. I just don't. So, um, so, and I started crying now again daily and that I have actually found that like the feeling in my chest the sort of what I perceive as anxiety but I think it's just like grief that needs to come out that helps that helps um that helps also um like I think it was yesterday or the day before I was in my meditation and finally I was just like 
like something came to me and it was just like, you are a wounded bird. Why are you beating the wounded bird with a stick? Why are you beating the wounded bird with a stick? Well, that's all I know how to do. I don't know how to do anything else because I guess on some level, it's more comfortable for me to be in fear of, I mean, it's not comfortable. It's not comfortable. I hate it, but I guess it's more familiar. It is more familiar for me to be in shame and taking my own inventory and blaming myself than it is to be, to feel a little, to feel disappointed and mad at a friend because that means she's affected me. So I'm just like, no, I have to, I, you know, I turned it on me. You know, just like being a little kid when like, you know, when, when your feelings are too much or your mother doesn't like acknowledge your feeling. You, like, I think as a little kid, a lot of times you, you turn it on yourself because it's like, you can't believe that you're the grown up is fallible. Then like, I mean, you depend on them. Then you're like really fucked, you know? So it's like, we, we will, something must be wrong with me. So it's like, something must be wrong with me. And that on some level, I, I don't want to say it's more comfortable. Cause I think I've reached the point where I don't, I don't, I don't. I don't want to do it anymore. I just don't want, it's too, it's not comfortable. You know, it's not more comfortable. I guess that's what it is, but it is familiar. It is, it is how I've always operated. It's like, it's the, it's behavioral. It's what I do. It's what I do. And because like this sort of unbounded grief is while in some ways not new territory, because I have been grieving, you know, grieving is not an unfamiliar feeling entirely because I have been grieving my father for six months, you know, and of course I've experienced grief in my life and the death of, I mean, the end of relationship. I mean, that's like, you know, the withdrawal of like the death of a fantasy, the death of love, you know, and actual deaths. Um, you know, I'd say my husband's illness has come with its own grief, but But like this for my dad, I mean, my dad was the, you know, he was the one, like he was the fucking, he was, you know, from like age zero on, like I fucking loved this man. Like I loved the shit out of this person. I just, you know, and, and he was, he was like the fucking greatest to me, you know, like he was just. And I had to grieve the changes in that relationship, but there was still, you know, sometimes it still came through. Like sometimes it did still come through. And he, you know, I just loved the shit out of him is all I'll say. I love, I, I probably, I love, I love my father more probably than, um, probably the most, I would say. Probably the most. The deep, it's a deep fucking love. So, you know, I've never grieved like this before, right? Not, not on this level. And, um, so another turning point for me was, but again, so I'm like, well, I don't know how to not use the stick. I, 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 this, the stick is, it's familiar. It's what I know. I don't, I don't know how to, how do you not use the fucking stick? Yeah. Milk fed and well, I don't want to tell you how it ends, but basically milk fed it, does have some elements and thoughts of on, on quote unquote self-love, but like, come on, man. Even in that book though, it's like, there's no, you there's no arrival, but I, it's like, I can't do it anymore. Like I have to, I have to fucking, even if I never, like, even if there's no there to get to, and it's always going to be like incremental, I need more increments. I need more. I can't, I can't, I can't do it. So I, I gotta, I gotta work on, I, I, you know, and, and these things find a way, these things find a way, these things. So the other thing that helped was I was talking to my dear friend, Alex Dimitrov the other night, um, poet, shout out Alex. Um, and I was just telling him everything that I was going through and, um, and really like the way that I've just made this, like that I've just been in a state of like sheer anxiety over the grief and I like can't stop checking where I am and I can't stop taking the inventory and I I don't know how to let it be and I don't know what weird world I have entered but 
I have turned this into a really dark situation. Um, where, and it, there is, again, there is darkness, but the suffering, the torture, the ad, there's no need for that added torture, you know, but I don't know how to not torture. I don't know how to not be terrified. And he said, um, he said to me, have you ever been to a Bulgarian funeral? And I said, no. And he said, well, at a Bulgarian funeral, everyone is screaming and crying, like wailing, throwing dirt. People, women are like, I want to get in with him. And I, you know, I have to tell you, and I was like, wow, because I've been, I did a lot of weeping those first few weeks. I cried, but it was a very soundless crying, you know, at the funeral, you reading the eulogy, I cry. I mean, I, you know, I would have moments of what I thought or called quote unquote, not breaking down, but you know, I cried a lot, but it was a very soundless crying. And it was always a crying that was like, you know, like trying to like snuffling everything back in, right? Snuffling it in, snuffling it in tears and snuffling it back in very, very quiet, quiet, crying, 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 trying to crying and sucking it back all into my head. And I realized like, well, you know, I don't know that I'm ever going to be a public. Well, I guess I am grieving in public right now, but so to speak, but I don't know that I'm ever going to be like a public sobber. I don't know that whatever. And because he was, Alex was saying, he's like in America, it's so strange. He's like, when I first went to a funeral, what was so scary to me was like, just how like, like, I'm sorry for your loss. You know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't. Yeah. So, you know, it's not like the Irish and Keening, um, which is so, so I was like, huh. And that was like a lot of, that was food for thought. That was like really good information. It was a good question. He asked me, um, hold on, wait, I'm just checking again to make sure I'm still going the right, un momento, okay, so, I'm gonna go on 14, alright, great, so, um, yesterday, so I, so I, so I allowed myself that night to, to cry, but, like, my husband was home, like, he was upstairs, so I didn't want it to be, like, super noisy, because I just didn't want him to worry about me, and, like, I don't know, you know, it's just, I need to be alone. I can't do it. I need to be alone. If I'm going to cry with noise, if I'm going to cry with noise, if it's going to be a noisy, sloppy mess, eh, I need, I have to do it alone. Like I won't be, I may cry, you know, a little on, on it during the grief spectacular in the coming weeks while I'm talking on the shot, but it's, it's not going to be, you won't hear the crying. You may hear me that I'm, that I'm, my voice is choked up or I'm fighting back to, you're not going to, maybe I will. I mean, who knows? I could be like liberated in two weeks and the whole podcast, I mean, the whole show might just end up being like, like a wailing person. Maybe it will. I don't know. You know, miracles have happened. It's only the beginning of my, my ascent back into uh, noisy crying. But, um, you know, it's like as for a person like me, like I'm scared to, what they say, like, quote unquote, ugly cry in front of others, you know, like, it's just, but also it's like that sense, like censorious kind of nature, like bleeds into myself. Cause I'm like, also I'm, I'm not alone. Like I'm a, well, actually, no, that's not true. I am alone quite frequently, but I don't know. It's like I'm in public or like my husband's usually home. So if I'm home, there's somebody there. So like the noisiness and then like if I'm out walking on the street, like I'm not going to be bawling in front of, you know, it's just, so it's like very rare that I'm in like a house or like a, but I am in my car. So yesterday I was at Gelson's, shout out Gelson's, my fave supermarket. Actually, no, I've transitioned to Ralph's. Gelson's is too expensive. I've transitioned to, I, I go to Gelson's as a special treat, but really a Ralph's coupon. I mean, I've kind of, um, I don't know. So I, I, I shout out Ralph's, shout out Gelson's, but I was at Gelson's, um, as a treat. Yeah. It's really gotten very expensive there. Um, which is, which is disheartening. Um, I mean, I think it was always more expensive than Ralph's, but it's gotten like really expensive. Um, so, um, so I was there and I'm in, and, and I'm in the, um, I'm in like the fruit 
and Brown Eyed Girl by Van Morrison comes on, right? Most basic song. Basic, 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 right? It's on every radio station at all times. Um, but that was one of my dad's faves. That was one of his favorite songs. Um, I can just picture him being like, hey, hey, where did we go? Um, so anyway, so, and I felt the doom come upon me. And then I was like, wait, what if I just need to cry again? Like, what if this feeling that I'm feeling, this dizziness, this tightness in the chest, this, all this, like, what I perceive as anxiety, doom, I'm not okay, I'm gonna die. What if it's, like, I actually, I need to cry again? I'm like, oh, but I just, like, cried so much yesterday. And it's like, nope, need to cry again. So on the drive home, I played Brown Eyed Girl five times and, like, wailed to my dad and said everything to him that I wanted to say to him in the hospital, I mean, we told my dad we loved him like 50,000 times. Like he was so sick of hearing it, but you know, with the, but I, what I didn't, I didn't deliver what I needed to say with the emotional intensity that I felt because like, whatever, like my dad's like not like, it would have been way too much for him. You know what I'm saying? To be, for me to be like wailing in the hospital, like I was kind of, you know, there were tears, but it was like, I was choking them back again, six months of, or on the, every, every night on the phone with him, you know, tears, trying, I didn't choking them back, choking them back. Cause I didn't want him to feel responsible for my, you know, and he knew, I mean, he, he could tell sometimes I was crying, but like it was, but I try, you know, I, I, it was, it was a holding back. There was a holding back, right? My dad's not into dramatic emotional displays. And I was certainly not going to be like laying that on him when he's like fighting for his life. So, um, but so I got to kind of, I, so I talked to my dad now, you know, like we, we do, we, we talk, well, I, we talk, that's another episode for another time. I'll talk about like signs and connection and all that stuff. Um, but I think because of all the signs and connection too, I think it was three and a half weeks. It it was three and a half weeks into the grief. Like that same day that I went to go see the woman, my friend that I sort of like realized that in spite of like all this connection I I have with him, like, I'm never going to see my dad again. Like, I think I had been sort of just like, not that just hadn't quite like, not as he is right. Not as he was like, I'm not, even if like, even if the, even if you like people, even if they're sticky souls and you know, we're, we're in some orbit together next life. And you know, I'm his like cousin or he's my aunt or, you know, I'm his mom, whatever it is, right? Like even if souls tend to like incarnate together, that's one belief that people have fine. Even if another belief people have, there's a heaven and you all meet up fine, but it's never going to be whatever it is. Cause I don't know how the fuck should I know? You know, what, what the fuck do I know about, you know, or it could just be nothingness you know, and then you could think of it from like a Schopenhauer perspective, like, well, the eternal dance, right? My father and I, like the love existed, the love will always exist kind of thing, like, or other human beings or whatever, like there's a million different things, but my father and I, I am never going to see my father in physical form. Like as I, you know, my, again, like that, that seems to be, you know, that, that, that seems pretty certain. seems pretty certain. Um, you know, or, or an experience, you know, like there are things I've never, you know, no matter how many, if I watch a video, you know, I have old voicemail, it's never going to be. It's, and it hit me that day. I think that despite all the, I can communicate with him all I want, but it's, it's not, there's a loss. There is a loss, right? It, there is a great, there is a great change for as much like beauty and spiritual surprise as I've experienced and connection. There is also, there is a major fucking loss. And, um, yeah. And so, um, so when I was, but so the other day, so yesterday when I was doing my thing in the car, when I was, you know, it was like, I was like sobbing and I was, you know, I was like just fucking going off. It was like keening, right? Like a Van Morrison's Irish. It was like keening. It was like wailing. I, and like, um, really just fucking talking. Like, I don't think I've ever, I don't think, I don't know if I've ever talked that loudly to God slash somebody who's not physically there with me, you know, like it was, you know, and just all like, I forgive you. I forgive you. Do you forgive me? There is nothing to forgive over and over. 
over and over. I forgive you. I forgive you. There's nothing to forgive. There is nothing to forgive. Do you forgive me? Do you forgive me? There's nothing to forgive. You know, there's nothing to forgive. You're already forgiven. Already forgiven. Everything is forgiven. You know. Um, And I think I was also talking to myself, too. I mean, I was. I was asking my dad if he forgives me. I was saying back to myself through him, there's nothing to forgive. I was saying to my father, of course I forgive you. There's nothing to forgive. You know, and and I got to really be very drama dance about the loss. Very drama dance in a way that I could not and and talk to him. You know what I'm saying? Like to him, address it to him, but in a way that I just couldn't do in the hospital. There's no way couldn't have gone in there and like moaned and wailed I mean maybe I could have but like I don't know we're just not that kind of Jews like I I don't really know I just it would not have he he'd he would have felt the need to comfort me and that like it's just it, it wasn't it's just not the dynamic you know what I'm saying like I couldn't be going in there and like wailing for an hour and like you know, repeating, because, because in some, in a lot of ways, that's more about me, right? This is more about my process. It's more about my experience of his death. So like, you know, I'm losing my dad, but you know, and, and he, and, and he knew, you know, I mean, he fucking knew like I, you know, even, even my sister and I holding back, you know, or even me holding back was like, you know, a thousand, I love you's a day and a thousand thank you for everything, you know? And um, so, yeah, so it's messy time. It's messy time. And I felt so much better. And I'm like, I might need to do this every day. I might, you know, or, or whenever, when I start feeling the angst, the angst of it, right? Time to fucking go crazy. Time to fucking let loose. So I'll be doing a lot of, uh, grieving alone in my car, both in a documentary fashion for you and also um, in a private wailing talking to um, my father and to God and to the void and to myself way without you. So that's it. Um, We're back and I'll see you on the flip side. That's all. Bye-bye.